Welcome to the Jesus Church Podcast. We're a family seeking to become like Jesus, empowered by His presence, to partner in God's creative work of restoring the world. We pray this episode encourages and equips you along the journey. We're all in process, becoming something. Like a potter throwing clay or an artist mixing color, our lives are being formed. Different backgrounds and experiences blemished and cracked. Each day, an opportunity to move into or out of all that God has purposed. So the question isn't if we are becoming, but rather who are we becoming? And in this family, we want to go on the journey of becoming like Jesus. Good morning, friends. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah? I, I'm, I am genuinely encouraged by the fact that there's actually still a bunch of people in this room uh, in light of what something's happening this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, go sports, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, hey, everybody, welcome, welcome. We are going to be jumping into the scriptures this morning, so um, if you need a Bible, go ahead and throw a hand up in the air. One of our ushers would love to get one into your hand. Um, before we jump in, I want to say a special thank you to all of you who made a point of coming up to myself and to some of the staff, just encouraging us this last couple of weeks after the message from two weeks ago. Your responses have been so encouraging. Uh, this is an amazing family. Uh, and I will be giving an update in a couple of weeks on kind of where we're at with our finances. But if you missed that message about two weeks back, I'd encourage you to go ahead and check it out. It was kind of an important one for us and the life of our family. Um, we have been in a series on and off since the fall called Becoming Like Jesus. Uh, and our last few kind of messages through the month of January were all focused in and around simplicity and what does it look like to kind of to pull things back to give to Jesus. Last week, Molly did a great job of kind of teeing up our next few messages on persistence in prayer, exploring our conversational relationship that we have with God, because really all relationships are built on and based from communication. I mean, at least they should be. And our relationship with God is no different. Today, we're going to look at kind of the larger part of the passage that I touched on two weeks ago. So if you would flip open your Bibles to Luke 12. Luke 12, we're going to be, I'm going to be reading from uh, Luke 12, verse 4. And once you get there, if I can invite you all to stand up to your feet as I read God's word over us as a community. Luke 12, starting in verse 4, says this. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Skipping down a bit to Luke 22, 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. 
And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin yet. I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Verse 31, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your text. And today, Lord, we just invite you to be our teacher, to be our guide. Lord, we, we desire to have more of your life and heart and, and desire inside of more of us. So guide us. Holy Spirit, open up our heart. Make, our, make the soil of our heart tilled up and tender to you. We desire to bear fruit. And so help us, Lord, to follow you in that way. We love you, Jesus. This is all about you. We look to you this morning. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Molly did a great job last week um, kind of teeing up and setting up this whole conversation around persistence in prayer. And she explained that God is not only able to answer our prayers, but he actually desires to answer our prayers, big or small. Uh, he's a good father and, and he sees his kids and he provides for our needs, even the ones that we don't even ask for. When was the last time you asked God for air or gravity, right? I mean, he provides these things to us, even though we don't even ask for them. And he also, he, he gives to us the things that we want and need. How many people related to Molly's example of praying for a parking spot? Oh, come on. All of you have done that, right? We've all done that. And, 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 and it's part of that nature with God that nothing is too small for him. But then there's also the big ones, the things that we would consider like deep needs. Like, like Lord, my sister needs a healing touch from you this week. Lord, we're, we're short on rent. We need you to, to step in. Lord, I really should have studied more for this test. Or Lord, I just lost my job and, and I'm not sure what I'm gonna do, Lord. Are you there? And that last one, man, I've been having so many conversations with people, especially in the tech industry. There's so many layoffs right now, so many people trying to answer that very question, what am I gonna do and how am I going to pay my bills? And that's part of what Jesus is tackling in this passage, how to deal with the very real needs of life, things like food and shelter and the fear and the worry and the anxiety that flows out of those things when we feel tested in them. So we're gonna tackle today's passage after tackling the second half of the passage two weeks ago. So it's a little bit like I'm preaching kind of Jeopardy style. Any of you guys, anybody watch Jeopardy here? It's like I've, I already gave the answer. The answer was live dependent on and generously towards God, okay? But what was the question? Well, that's what Jesus is talking about this week. The question was, how do we deal with fear, worry, and anxiety? Now, what a fascinating combination 
The question that Jesus goes after is, what do we do with our worry? The answer is, we live dependent on and generous towards God. But how? How do these things play themselves out? How do we sort this out in our normal, everyday life? This is a huge question for us today. I mean, even without all the extra financial pressures of 2023, our culture is drowning in anxiety. Anti-anxiety medication is skyrocketing right now. Mental health and its physical symptoms is fast becoming like the next epidemic. And, And almost every industry is dealing with the fallout of the ongoing financial and cultural consequences of our deep deep seated emotional exhaustion, weariness, and worry. And in the Pacific Northwest, where we live, I mean, the statistics are even worse especially when you factor in our coping mechanisms of sex and drugs and alcohol. Our culture is strangled by anxiety right now. And what's, what's kind of confusing about the whole situation is that we live arguably in the wealthiest time the most, the, the, with the most amount of resources in any generation. You would expect, given the promise of human potential and our seemingly endless supply of great coffee and good food here in Portland, that we would at least be at peace. Or, or, or with more in our bank accounts and more opportunities and more around us, that we would have at least a little bit less stress. But that isn't the case. In fact, in fact the statistics are actually shockingly opposite on that point. When you, when you look at all of the data, it, it, worry and anxiety is higher per capita in those communities that have higher access to more resources. In fact, we as a generation are living proof of what the Bible has been saying for millennia. Having more often equals worrying more. Having more often equals worrying more. So how does Jesus call us to deal with that worry? And what's the relationship between dealing with that worry and persistence in prayer? This is kind of some of what we're going after today. But before we jump into that, I want to be clear about what we're talking about when we say prayer. Because remember, God is not some cosmic vending machine, okay? It's not like our prayers are some sort of magical phrase that we say out so that God will give us stuff. No, we're talking about a relationship. And when we see prayer as a relationship, as an act of communication with our God who desires good things for us, we begin to step into an ongoing conversation with our Creator Father. This is what prayer looks like, this conversation with our Creator. And it's then that prayer has the potential to challenge our natural way of dealing with discomfort, okay? Because if we're honest, the way we normally deal with discomfort is to simply do whatever we possibly can to get comfortable again, right? I mean, as a society, we don't like being uncomfortable. And so the first thing that we do when we feel uncomfortable is try to figure out how to get comfortable again. But when Jesus enters in, when our relationship with God comes into our story, the kingdom pushes us to a different way of dealing with discomfort. 
And it includes fixing our eyes back on what is really real, what is truly true. The Holy Spirit reminds our spirit that God owns it all. That God knows our needs better than we do. And that much of what we think of as need is really want. Prayer fixes our eyes on what is real and true. And it's then that that Jesus is put back on the throne in our life. That the eternal God is placed back into the center of our story. And we remind ourselves again that that life, it's not about us. It's actually all about him. Prayer recalibrates our kingdom mindset. It helps us to seek first the kingdom and trust God with our needs. Trust God with the outcomes. Trust God with our circumstances. It changes our perspective on why we are even here. And it pulls us into the mission of God. And it's then that something starts to subtly change in prayer because prayer becomes an act of war. When we pray persistently, we go to war against cultural expectations. We go to war against consumerism. We go to war against anxiety and our fear. And and we even go to war against the enemy of our soul. We say, no, you may take my life, but you can't have my heart. That belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is fixing our eyes. And prayer is recalibrating. And prayer is war. So, in light of the last couple of weeks, I want us to hold these kind of four ideas around prayer kind of in our, in our left hand as we process these scriptures together. Luke 12, verses four says this. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus jumps into his sermon by tackling one of life's biggest questions. What's the worst that can happen? And the answer? Death. Death is the worst. It's the ultimate question that humankind wrestles with. Now, why does he start there? Well, I I think it's because Jesus has just pointed at the religious leaders and said, hey, be on your guard against this group of people. And he knows that his journey is taking him to Jerusalem where he will lay down his life, where he will literally be crucified by that group of people. And so he tells his friends, don't be afraid of death. Jesus knows that death is coming and he looks his friends in the face and says, don't be afraid of death. Instead, be afraid, that is, show holy awe to the one who has the power after death. And as the writer of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how should we carry ourselves before the one who holds our days in his hands? What should our heart posture be before God? Holy awe, reverent fear. He holds us in his hands. 
but not, not like a disconnected terror like, a, like we might feel towards like a gray-bearded, lightning-throwing Russell Crowe. Sorry, that was like a little nod to any of the uh, Thor fans in the group here. Uh, or, or even that baggage that we carry where we've, we've taken our feelings about our parents and put them on top of God. Because that can happen too. It's more, it's more than that. Jesus asks us the question, where does our heart really lie in this? Where does God's heart really lie in this? Is he trustworthy? Verse six. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Do you hear the tenderness in there? God knows you. He knows you so intimately. He knows the amount of hairs that are on your head, which is a lot less for some, let's be honest. But God knows. And he loves us. And we're far more valuable than the birds. Jesus is about to tackle like these major issues in his sermon around people pleasing and persecution and greed and worry and anxiety. So he builds a foundation, something strong enough that he can build all these teachings on. And that foundation is the goodness and love of his father. Yet God, God's strong enough. He's good enough to carry the weight of our anxiety and our fear. And he challenges his listeners. Jesus looks at them and challenges them with these two weighty ideas. The first is this, that life is about more than just this moment. That the eternal nature of our being demands that we make decisions not just on the basis of the 70 or 80 years that we call life. I mean, how many of our choices are made as a result of our fear of death? But death, my friends, death is just a door. Death is just a door. There is more to life than just these days that we hold on to. And Jesus calls us to consider living in a way that points to the eternal, to look beyond to the whole picture. But second, Jesus wants us to consider that God is trustworthy Worthy and that he values us, he loves us. Our decision can be unbound from fear because God knows us and he places our worth far above the sparrows. He's a good father. The starting point of Jesus' sermon calls us to a higher perspective, like a God perspective. We used to call it uh, a, a, like a, an eternal perspective. And it reminds us of the reality that we only see in part, but God sees in full. That we, we're driven by our days, but God, he's the ancient of days. Kind of reminds me of like corn, a corn maze, okay? Any parents in the room take your kiddos to corn mazes? Or any parents in the room that do corn mazes? I mean, you're out there, I can, yeah, right? So all three of us, okay. The best ones have these like viewing stations, right? Where you kind of, you stand up on top and you can watch the people that are doing the maze. And like as a parent, you would go there and watch your kids and laugh at them, basically. 
because it's hilarious, okay? As they kind of go back and forth between the same section, getting lost in the same corners over and over again. I'm telling you, it's hilarious. If you've never done that, if you don't have any kids, just go and, and you can laugh at other people's kids, okay? <laughs> but the point here is that God is so much more loving than me. He's so much more kind than me. He, he sees the whole maze, the whole picture, all of reality. And he walks with us at the exact same time through the maze. This is the God that we follow, the God that we serve. It's one that sees it all, but also walks right beside us. It's a beautiful picture of his involvement. And as we get stuck in those dead ends over and over again, instead of laughing, he walks alongside of us. He guides us. He speaks to us. Jesus then carries on, picking up after that really intense parable that we talked about a couple weeks ago. He says this in verse 22. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. You, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing. Why do you worry about the rest? Life, says Jesus, is about more than just our basic necessities. On, his heel, on the heels of his call to be generous towards God, which was verse 21, Jesus invites us to consider again the God perspective. There is a much bigger picture that goes way beyond just putting food in our stomach or clothes on our back. And frankly, Jesus says, like, like it's way beyond your control anyways. Now, to be clear, Jesus is not dismissing caring for the needs of the poor or the hungry, like I mentioned a couple weeks back. And Jesus is definitely not saying that life is clothing optional, just so that it's clear. No, what Jesus is doing is he's placing the reality of a generous God perspective alongside the fear of not having enough. He's putting the two of them side by side. He's contrasting the power of self-provision and God provision. And he's challenging our desire for security, declaring that our worry has no real power. And we feel like it does. We feel like our anxiety can actually change things. But the reality, says Jesus, is that you can't even add a single day to your life. In fact, science is proving that it's the exact opposite. The more we worry, it's like it's taking days away from our life. Jesus is saying, like, don't let worry control you because it's powerless. We're forced to see that self-security is just an illusion created by our need for control and the world's rejection of God. But, but the follower of Jesus, the follower of Jesus is different. We see life through God's eyes. We, we see it through God's resources. We see it through God's purposes. We see that all of life can be caught up in God's hands. As a follower of Jesus, we change our perspective 
great example of this is Seek Night. Anybody at Seek Night last couple weeks? Got it last week? Okay. As many of you know, like, okay, we've been on this journey, financial journey, so we've had to make some cutbacks, but we still have these like core values, things that make us us. And, and some of those are like generosity and hospitality and creating home around a table. And so we decided to do our first ever like potluck seek night. Okay. Thank you. That's awesome. Five minutes to, there was like eight people in the room and like one thing of food on the table. And I was getting a little nervous. Uh, I mean, honestly, that kind of experience creates all sorts of anxiety inside of a leader. My, my fear level was going up. Did, did I hear wrong? Did we hear wrong? Was this a horrible idea? Like, like are we going to end up just doing a staff potluck with Jordy after this? Is that what this is going to be? No. So I went back to the back room and I decided like, I just need to pray. I need to get my heart in the right place. And, and I was back there. I don't know. I made him back there for about 10 minutes. It was about like 10 or so after five o'clock. And I come back up the hallway and I'm greeted to a room full of people and four tables that literally have food falling off of them. I don't know if we have a slide there. There it is. It was, there was more food. Now it was the wildest collection of different things. It was awesome. It was like the best ever. We were trying to set up a fifth table so we could put more food on the table. And what's, at, what's amazing is afterwards, we picked up 12 basketfuls. Just kidding. We didn't actually, but there was lots of leftovers. There was lots of leftovers. It was an incredible example of God's perspective. What happens when we come to God with what we have and we say, yes, Lord, we want to participate. We want to be activated. We want, we want to see the resources as your resources, not ours. And yes, I am Canadian, so I say that word weird, okay? I'm just, I'll call it out. But that's the reality of it. God gives us his perspective, God's eyes. Jesus continues. Luke 12, 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Again, God desires to care for us, but look at the example that Jesus uses as he talks about the flowers of the field. He says, consider Solomon in all of his splendor. And that is the crazy reality of the kingdom of God. It's not a kingdom of second best. It's a kingdom of generosity, of abundance and beauty. God even makes our fields look amazing and beautiful for whose eyes? I mean, how many fields have we never even seen of the glory of God's magnificent, uh, magnificence like swept out in the wildflowers? God is abundantly generous with his beauty. The difficulty is that we sometimes are tempted to view God the exact opposite way. Seeing him as maybe like holding out on us or calling us into deep poverty. And this is a part of what makes generosity to God challenging. 
Deep down, we know that some of God's values are different than our money first world. But actually, if we're really honest with ourselves, that our comfort isn't actually at the top of God's list. But that, that's the invitation to faith. To believe that God not only knows what is best for us, but that he desires to care for us. Jesus calls us to follow him. Jesus calls us to a generous God. And then Jesus calls us to believe. Luke 12, 29 goes on and says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, verse 31, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you as well. Jesus knows that this is a question of love, that where we've set our heart. But remember, God wants our hearts above all else. And he knows, like, like once he has our hearts, all the other stuff, it just follows along behind us. The problem is, is that we're so, we have such a tendency to set our hearts on things around us, don't we? We, we do try to get our needs met by the material, whether it's food or drink or clothes. We do try to fill that relational aching inside of us. And when it's in jeopardy, we panic. And fear comes crashing in and anxiety comes crashing in. The thing is, no matter how hard we try, we cannot have a relationship with our stuff because our stuff can't love us back. Our stuff has no capacity to have a relationship with us. We were created to set our heart on things above, Colossians 3, verse 1, because we were created with this insatiable need to connect with the divine. Our things simply aren't strong enough to carry that relational weight. Only God has that strength. Only God is powerful enough to be in relationship with us the way that we need it. Our stuff will never be strong enough. And that is why we worry. Our anxiety, it comes because like Israel of old, we place our hope in Egypt. That splintered reed that gives way the moment that we lean on it, So the prophets say. We know that our stuff can't carry us, that our money is going to let us down, but we keep going back to it because it holds out this false promise. Maybe this next time will be different. And it may have failed us in the past, but you know what? At least it was comfortable. And so we sound like Israel longing for Egypt. The problem is, is that the more we pursue security, the more insecure we become. And God wants so much more for us than that. He wants us to have freedom and life. And he, and he wants us to have so much of it, an abundance of freedom and life, so that we can give it away to this world that we live in, to be a non-anxious presence in a world that is drowning in anxiety and worry. He wants us to bring his peace. So 
How does this connect to the idea of persistent prayer? Where, where, where's the linchpin that connects these two things to, together? Great question. The short answer is that prayer is how we fight back. Remember where we started as I, I kind of gave some framework around prayer? Prayer, it's this conversation with our Father Creator. We enter into prayer and God confronts us about, what is, about who He really is and who we really are, that He knows us, that He loves us. Then we, we fix our eyes on what is real and true and, and we go to prayer, we go into the scriptures and we're reminded of the reality of the kingdom and he recalibrates his kingdom mindset inside of us. And then we, we step into prayer like an act of war. We, we be, he empowers us and he gives us the ability to take our thoughts captive, to take our heart captive, to step into the world and push back against the lies. He helps us confront the enemy. But what does this look like in a prayer life? What does it look like tomorrow, Monday morning? Well, I thought probably the best way for me to kind of talk this out was to use an example from my own life. The last several months have been difficult, as we've talked about. And, and honestly, I, as we've been like having to wrestle through, you know, uh, like ledger forms and sheets full of like numbers, all I can see in all of those numbers are names are people that I love, that I care about. And honestly, at the end of the day, it begins to feel like such a weight. A handful of weeks back, as I was literally, I'd spent hours just going over different numbers and different sheets, I found myself with this heavy weight pressing down on my shoulders. It was unbearable. And I just needed to go and take a walk, get out for a walk, which I'll do sometimes. If you guys ever come and visit during the week, you might see me like making a giant loop around the business park. I love to just walk and process and talk to God. And so that's what I did. I went out for a walk. I went to have a conversation with my creator father. And you know, the moment that I did, the moment I literally walked out the front door and said, Lord, I need you. I heard him say so quickly, like, I've been waiting for you. Like, I've been waiting for you. I see you. There's something you need to know, like the church, it's actually mine, not yours. And all these needs that you feel like you're carrying, they're not for you to carry. I have entrusted this family to you, but that's because I love you not because you're superhero or something. I'm the only one that can carry this people. And as I prayed, God brought me into the story and I was in the middle of working through these scriptures and I, I started like looking around me, considering the birds, considering the flowers, asking God like, what does, how, do you, how are you gonna step in? And he kept reminding me of his provision over and over and over again fixing my eyes on what was real and what was true. Remember what the scriptures say. Remember who I am. Remember, I will provide for you. Giving me a God perspective. And then he began to recalibrate my kingdom mindset. He challenged me to seek first the kingdom. You know, it occurs to me sometimes 
If you're not much of a singer, you're like, why do we sing the same lines over and over and over again? Well, it's because some of us have thicker skulls than others. And sometimes I have to remind myself, I have to say the line over and over and over again. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. It takes a while for my heart to catch up to the reality of the truth. And that's when prayer tips into warfare. And the first person that I go to war with is myself. And I stand like David before Amir saying, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in the Lord. Because that's where life is. Remember, I am life. Put your hope in me. And so you go to war in prayer against even the voices inside of your heart. And then you go to war against the voices that get whispered on the outside. And you go to war against the culture that tries to suffocate and trap us. You stand with Jesus as he fights Christus Victor. And he goes to war on our behalf. And that's what we do when we pray. You guys have ever seen, probably at some point in time, if you ever come to the church midweek and you see me out for one of those prayer walks, I'm probably coming back with tears coming down my face because it's usually about halfway through that I remember who God is and I remember who I am. And I open up my hands. Thank you. I need to hear that. And I say, yes, Lord. Yes. And God is so good. You know, at the end of the end of seek night last week, Brittany and I were standing by the door and a young woman came up. She had, had, she used to attend here years and years and years ago, but had moved away and she was just back visiting. And she was just like, Hey, I, well, while we were in seek night, um, I just feel like, like God laid something on my heart. I want to share with you. And I'm like, Oh, great. I'd love to hear it. And she's like, I just, I saw this picture of you carrying like a work backpack and it was so, it was so heavy. Like it looked like a normal work backpack, but it was so heavy. It was cutting into your shoulders, like a weight pressing down on your shoulders. Bear in mind, she knows nothing of what's going on. And in my vision, she said, I saw Jesus come up and literally, literally just open up the backpack and pull out like all of these like financial documents and money and all of this stuff and just replace it with a single sheet of paper with his signature on it and closed it back up again. And the burden was lifted. Seek first his kingdom and all will be added. This is the call. This is how we fight against anxiety and worry in our day. Seek first the kingdom. Open up your hands and trust God with a God perspective. Allow yourself to be taken by him, to be loved by him. Do not try to get love from your stuff, but give your heart to your father. God is answering prayers. And so we're gonna keep praying them which is the same call Molly laid out. And 
And I just want to call us as a church again to the same kind of 21 days of praying through these very same prayers. Nine o'clock every morning, we want you to pray a personal prayer with something that God is like, you want to see breakthrough in, some place that you want to see perseverance happen. Praying about that at noon every day, 12 o'clock, we're praying for the church. That's why my alarm went off. Every single day, praying, Lord, Step in, intervene. One, one of the prayers that many of us have been praying is in the area of finances, but there are other places. And then finally, every evening at 5 p.m., praying for our city. There are so many needs in our city. Just pick one as a family, as roommates, as whatever, and just go after it and pray and persist. And let's see what God is going to do. Because I believe I believe that there are things that are waiting just out ahead of us, doors that he's kicking open of his provision, of his healing, of his restoration. So let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the fact that you are a God that sees us, a God that knows us, that you see all of our needs, all of our life, Lord, even the things that we, that are needs that we don't even see, you see them and you know them and you love us and you're for us. And Lord, we know that you, you desire us to enter into places that might feel uncomfortable. And so right now we just pray, give us the strength to step in. Give us the strength to step into discomfort for the sake of your kingdom. And help us to keep our eyes locked on you. Jesus, this is all about you. And we love you. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to partner with us through giving, visit us at jesuschurch.org.